And those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde mean time for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. Frank Ravello here. Uh, glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. Uh, match Week 23 in the books. We'll talk about that. We'll also have a nice little uh, primer for you as the Serie A teams get back at it on the continent in the European competitions, the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League. Helping me break it all down is co-host of the Serie A sit-down, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing tonight? Uh, you know, we're doing all right. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, American football withdrawal for everybody, but uh, we've, got, we've got Serie A to at least get us through the next, uh, next three months before there's, uh, unfortunately, a three-month break from Italian football. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, uh, yeah. You know, good American football game. Uh, how, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was an excellent game. I really had no horse in the race. I mean, uh, two, it's two teams which you don't like. Uh, I, I'm an NFC East team player. I'm a Redskins fan, so I don't like the Eagles. But uh, they played very well. I can't hate them. They had their backup quarterback in there. Uh, very, very good game. Good commercials. Well, the one for me in particular was the Giants one. That was the best one for me. Uh, I thought that was the winner as well. Uh, but good game. Enjoy. But good game. Quite yeah, yeah, it was a good game. Um, you know, uh, just uh, Philadelphia fans uh, act like you've been there before. Uh, they haven't. <laughs> stop like, stop eating horseshit sandwiches and stuff like that in celebration. Did you see that? Oh no, my god! Uh, no, that's disgusting. And doesn't surprise me for Philadelphia fans. I've been to Philly many times. Love the city. The people are very strange. If you're listening, sorry about that, guys. We've got Philadelphia, and we've got fans from Philadelphia that listen to this podcast. So. Uh, we've got a couple of Napoli fans. I know there was an AC Milan club, uh, Philadelphia too, that, uh, you know, a few of those guys listen to us. So, uh, we don't mean any disrespect. Just act like you've been there before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looked, uh, it looked a little raunchy out there. Uh, the, some of the celebrations that were going on. So, um, I, you know, we're going to, we're going to get into all the search. I just want to touch on some of the reaction. Obviously I put out a piece, uh, last week, uh, you know, that, I'm a Calcio consultant, which you can find on worldfootballindex.com, shameless plug, um, that, uh, you know, garnered some reaction, actually more positive than negative, um, you know, to my surprise, uh, you know, where I kind of got into a rant about Juventus privilege, and it was really kind of the apex of uh, what last weekend was a horrible weekend as far as referee decisions, use and misuse of VAR and all of this other stuff. Um, And I want to just real quick use this you know monologue if you will for lack of a better description it's not going to be i'm not i'm not attempting to be funny um i am not anti-juventus okay you know let's just get that out on the record okay you you can't be anti-juventus and predict them to win the league uh you know you you can't uh be anti-Juventus and bang the drum for them to win the Champions League like I did last year, predicting them to get to the final, predicting them to win it and all this other stuff. So, you know, so for some people that just say that this is just your bias just came out thick. Well, you know, check my record. So um, I'm I'm calling out something that needs to be called out because I'm passionate about what goes on with Italian City. I'm passionate about what goes on with Italian football and newsflash. People are watching and people are watching the exact things I pointed out. Um, you know, Calciopoli is still on everybody's mind, even though it's been what 11, 12 years. Um, it's it's still there. It's still a haunting reminder of of what it did to teams 
in Serie A. And I don't want to see that happen again. Um, you know, so when I see sketchy referee decisions and I see a lot of them go in Juventus's favor, uh, I'm going to call it out. It's just the way it is. What do you think? Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, and uh, you're definitely not an anti-UV fan. As you, you predicted it many times, and you give them praise all the time. Maybe uh, we joke around about Iguain all the time, but that's a, that's a, that's another story. We still like the player and, and like the team in, in general. I think the people people take offense when it's their team being being uh, I guess ragged on. And, Naturally, and and so all the Juventini fans naturally got uh, angry about it and, and had something to say. I'm sure if you had said something about Milan fans, the Milan fans would have done the same or. Or whomever. Um, so that's really what all it was. Uh, it seemed it was overall a positive reaction, which was uh, which is good to see because um, you made some valid points. Uh, it, there was a lot of bad calls over the weekend. Um, there was a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of ugly, and so uh, you just basically were pointing it out, and some people took offense to it. Um, relax, it's it's just a game, and we're making it's our observation. No one's trying to be anti Juventus here or anti any any team here. We're we're, we're pro Italia. Pro Lega Serie A, so that's all it's about. But when things when things happen on the peninsula, we have to mention it uh, unbiasedly yeah. and, and let people know because it would be unfair for us or any other um, uh, podcaster or pundit to to not say so. So uh, that's all we're doing. That's well, all Frank I, was doing. I mean, in, in in what was it the two thousand six two thousand seven season where Milan were still allowed to be in the Champions League, and but they had to go through an extra qualifier. Remember this? They had to go to Red Star Belgrade, and what did the what was the TIFO uh, in Belgrade? They just had uh, uh, the entire section in red and black stripes, and they were able to get white UEFA letters out of it, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 did, did I get offended by it? No. I said, okay, very cute. Yeah, okay. You know, um, it's not for me to judge whether or not Milan should be in this Champions League as a result of all of the effects of Calciopoli. They got their penalty. It is what it is. Let's, let's move forward. So, you know, it's just uh, – <laughs> You just wish fans would be a little thicker skinned, you know. Um, but uh, but I can also sense if you're if you have such an unbridled loyalty to a club, uh, you're gonna you're you're not gonna be happy when somebody, you know, when somebody has something to say about it that's that's derogatory in your opinion. It's only natural. So, but yeah, the anti Juve thing. Jay, McGee, James McGee was after me all season long last year about saying, well, you're really a Juventus fan. Stop with this Milan <laughs> front. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If anything, you're pro-Juventus. What the heck? <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, you know, I, I, you know I'm going to – and we'll talk about the European previews here later. I mean, I, and I'm going to take the same position. I, I want to see the Serie A teams do well in Europe, you know. If they end up having to play Milan at some point, then that's when I don't want them to do well. That's uh, just the way it is. It's good for the league. It's a good advert for football in Italy to show that it's alive and well. So, um, you know, so the, I, I just wanted to get that off my chest and just kind of have a reaction to a lot of the feedback that was out there, um, you know, and then just uh, and just go from there. But uh, you know, certainly appreciate everybody taking the time to read it. It definitely got a lot of different feedback and it got a conversation going, which is really what I was going for. Um, so, uh, let's talk transfers, uh, transfer window came and went without a whole lot of activity. One of the things that we did report on the city, uh, sit down a couple of weeks ago was, I mean, Eunice going to Napoli 
And then that yeah. deal is off, and then that deal is back on, and it's off, and now he's or it's off. He's going to join in the summer, and he may not go at all. That's the that's the latest story. What is the uh, what's what what's your take on this? And uh, it's bizarre because I don't know if this is coming from the Napoleon. It's coming from the IXN. Is it coming from another team? Or uh, is it coming from the Eunice camp? I don't know, and it's it's very confusing. So as I'm sure as a Napoli fan would would would, would attest, it's very very. Um, heartbreaking and it's also confusing because you don't know what's going on you want the player obviously because he's very very talented but if you got all this drama behind it it's just something you want to either get it over with and get him on your team or just be gone be done with it because it's it's a constant distraction for your for you as a as a fan i'm sure yeah shit or get off the pot it's kind of exactly kind of kind of the uh saying we have for that so um uh, noteworthy one ricardo orsellini going to bologna uh, that one raised my eyebrow a little bit. What did you think? Yeah, the the, the talented young uh, Juventus, uh, Juventus, I guess, uh, uh, player. Gosh, I'm thinking of a word and I can't think of the word. Anyway, he's uh, going to Bologna, going to get some valuable playing time, hopefully. Um, increase his development there. Um, you know, he didn't get as much playing time as he wanted at Atalanta, so uh, now he's going over to Bologna, and hopefully he'll, he'll see more pitch time because they have basically they have a bunch of aging veterans over there, so... Um, they need a little bit more speed, a little bit more youth on the team. Now, was that a loan from Juventus, or was that a was that a purchase? Because I was trying to I did not catch that. Make sense of that. It appears that it's yeah, it is a loan. Uh, uh, so his loan okay. his loan spell at Atalanta was over with, and then Juventus just moved him uh, on loan to um, Bologna. So yeah, that one raised. But I mean, so it had nothing to do with uh, Atalanta playing Juventus in the Coppa Italia semifinals, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, no, not at all. Are you kidding? Um, <laughs> uh, so it's an interesting one. Um, it's uh, you know with what Donadoni's ability to seemingly mold young players uh, over there at Bologna, it's a decent spot for him to uh, to gain some valuable experience here over the next few months. And let's see uh, let's see what it does for him. Uh, just kind of going through this really quick. Looks like uh, you know. Here's a name that's kind of come in and out of Serie A teams, Leandro Castan, uh, on loan to Cagliari from Roma. Uh, nothing terribly exciting there. Uh, Emanuele Giacarini is uh, on loan at Chievo uh, from Napoli. Yeah. yeah, Napoli fans are happy about that, I think. <laughs> well, it's just, well, if, if, if Saudi's not going to use him, if he's not going to rotate, might as well loan some of these guys out. So, Speaking of Napoli, uh, a name that we are all expecting to join uh, the team uh, this January window was Bobby English, Roberto Inglese, and he is still at Kievo as of this past Sunday. Mm, I'd say it's what's it what's it with Napoli in this transfer market? It's just like a, they've everybody they're in for. They're like they're getting them, and at the eleventh hour, there's you know something happens or a decision gets made that they don't have them. It's just uh, who are they? Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Galliani got a job there in the uh, Napoli back room. It's uh, you know certainly interesting, you know, in that respect. Ahmad Benali, who had some decent performances for Pescara last season, he's back in Serie A. He's with Crotone um, on loan from Pescara, and I and um, you know that one's an interesting one. Uh, Diego Falcinelli loaned to Fiorentina from Sassuolo. Uh, oh, and very interesting. Yeah, loan, and I think that's going to end. I, that might end up being a purchase. Um, got to uh, look at that one a little bit closer, uh, and then uh, Kuma Babakar off to Sassuolo from Fiorentina. So a little bit of a shakeup with uh, 
something had to be done with Sassuolo and their inability yeah. to score goals it and a shakeup. Pay off this weekend, though. We'll get to that. Yeah, and and you know something, um, uh, you know, good for Babacar, uh, kind of rotting on that Fiorentina bench, and I think he still has a little something to give, and certainly capable of scoring goals at this level. So, you know, let's see what happens um, uh, with him. Uh, an, a, a funny departure, Bruno Zuccolini done getting red cards in Serie A. He's gone back to River Plate. Uh, so he is not Hellas Verona's problem anymore. Um, uh, Inter, we, we talked about Lisandro Lopez, Rafinha. Uh, we're just kind of whipping through this real quick here, Richard. Um, nothing terribly exciting on the Juventus front. Uh, uh, Lazio bringing in Martin Caceres uh, from Hellas Verona. Uh, he made an appearance today, got an assist. We'll talk about that game a little bit later. Um, uh, again, Napoli really getting nothing done. Uh, Roma relatively quiet, uh, you know, as far as their activity is concerned. Um, you know, after that, nothing else here really that, uh, that jumps out at you. Um, you know, Sassuolo bringing in Mauricio Limos, uh, from Las Palmas. Apparently Sassuolo's into bad defenders as we'll talk about later. Um, Las Palmas can't defend with a lick and Sassuolo apparently like Lemos. So, uh, the 22 year old Uruguayan is on loan, uh, from the Spanish club. And, uh, let's see here. That's, that's about it. As far as the transfers are concerned, no real winners and losers. I mean, it wasn't like some of these other clubs in Europe that made really big moves, uh, you know, for players that there wasn't a Coutinho to Barcelona to talk about, or, a you know, an Aubameyang to, to Arsenal and, Milan, weren't they bidding like 70 to 80 million for Aubameyang and he ends up going to Arsenal for 55? Yeah, ain't that some shit? (laughs) (laughs) Put it lightly. Yeah, that's, uh, you wonder what's going on there. Well, what it it is going on in Dortmund is that Aubameyang has become a distraction for the team and they just had, they realized they had to get rid of him because he's he's had too many times where they sat him for, you know, either partying too much or or disobedience, really. So, uh, he became more of a distraction to the team uh, than, a, than a, you know, something positive, and so they had to get rid of him. And he's going to go to that small rural town of London, um, you know, where it's always quiet and there's really nothing to do. What can possibly go wrong for Obama Yang in, the, in that city, right? London, I think I've heard of that town. <laughs> so, yeah, so if... Uh, so if, if if there are issues with his nightlife problems, uh, you know, Wenger is certainly going to have his hands full then. So, um, you know, to say the least. So that was it for the transfers. It's really hard to say if there were any winners and losers. We didn't really expect any of the Serie A teams to do anything, you know, significant in this window. Inter obviously making a couple of moves. Um, hard to say if Spalletti will make use of those players or not here. Remains to be seen over the next several weeks. Uh, so that uh, puts a bow on the transfer window. Um, some other news, uh, just as far as Italians in Europe, uh, uh, you know, across the continent, uh, just real quickly before we get into the recaps, uh, uh, how about Giampaolo Pazzini? He, uh, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a uh, surfacing of him. Did you notice? Yeah. And he scored against the, uh, the big old mighty Real Madrid. How about that? Uh, and Levante fans now, do you know what they're doing? I think, are they doing, they're doing the hand cutout, um, I thought I saw this online. I think they're making oh, hand cutouts so. of this of his goal so. celebration. I hope so. Where they can put it on a stick and they can all do it when he scores a goal. <laughs> good, good, because they, they do the Dabala mask at the Alliance Stadium, so they should definitely do it for the Pazzini, uh, uh Can you see me now? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 
you know, finally Levante have something that they can uh, be known for. So, <laughs> so, uh, so good for them. And uh, yeah, scoring against Real Madrid, I believe that game ended in a draw. So, uh, so the goals proved vital. So, uh, Giampaolo Pazzini moving on to Spain, finding some form. Uh, I guess it's a, it's the Italian thing to do if uh, you're struggling on the struggling on the peninsula. Head over to Spain. I mean, Montella is getting a little bit of a rebirth going at Sevilla. Um, you know, uh, but uh, one uh, one Italian that uh, uh, making headlines uh, for uh, for reasons that he would rather not. Antonio Conte. Oh, it's getting ugly over at Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh it's an up and down thing with them, more down than up. Um yeah, I don't know if it it seems to be some some discord. The, the marriage between Antonio Conte and, and Chelsea seems to have worn off the novelty of it. Um so right now they're just uh trying to piece things together. It's uh it doesn't bode well for them in Champions League or, or in Premier League at this point really. So um what looked like Apple's and uh, beautiful time coming into the season is turned rocky for sure. Yeah, there's uh, there's going to be issues. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, they lost today. They've now they they've lost to Watford and Bournemouth here in their last two games by a combined seven goals to one. Uh, certainly not uh, championship caliber stuff uh, from Chelsea. So we'll see what that means for Antonio Conte and his future uh, in the English capital. And then what he decides to do after that. Obviously, there is a big job job opening with the national team if he wants to go back to that or. Uh, if he's going to just uh, wait it out and see uh, what opens up here at the clubs here in Serie A to make a return to Italy. So we shall see what happens. As of this recording, I'm only speculating. I don't know if he's getting the sack, but uh, it's certainly not looking pleasant. Uh, and we know uh, Roman Abramovich's reputation with managers. So um, those are all some of the uh, kind of the, 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 the newsy stuff before we get into these recaps. So how about we just get into some recaps, Richard? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's recap match week 23. All right, we had uh, 25 goals this weekend, Richard. Uh, a little bit less than what we're expecting these days in City. Yeah, we've been getting spoiled with goals, haven't we? Yeah, now, uh, now we're not getting as many goals. Uh, thankfully, we didn't get as many reds this weekend as we did in the past, uh, last weekend. So at least there's that. Yeah, yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the players behaved a little bit better. The uh, the officiating was uh, a little bit better uh, than it was the previous weekend. So there was that to be uh, happy about. And on the balance, uh, with the exception of one game, everything was relatively competitive here in Match Week 23. And it all started on Saturday with Sampdoria playing host to Torino. Uh, a couple of teams here really starting to find some form. Sampdoria getting back on track after going through a pretty miserable spell. Uh, and Torino finding a little bit of a rebirth under new manager Walter Mazzotti. Uh, so, uh, would something give at the Stadio Luigi Ferrari in Genoa uh, in the 11th minute? Uh, one of the best midfielders in Serie A made his presence felt. La punizione parte Torreira. Destro che passa! E beffa Sirigu con il gol che sblocca la partita. Lucas Torreira è una 0 Samp. A free kick from Lucas Torreira uh, opening the scoring for Sampdoria and the uh, the wall doing what I would do in a wall, Richard, because I only play recreationally and I want to be able to go to work the next day and be able to walk. <laughs> uh, so uh, pretty miserable wall there by uh, Torino uh, helping out uh, helping out Torreira getting that goal. 
Indeed, that was a very pathetic performance by them. But, you know, it did leave, uh, once a goal was scored, Massimo Ferrero was seen doing the Irish jig in the stand. So he obviously liked what was done by the wall. But uh, he doesn't play, that's not his team, so he doesn't care about that. Well, maybe the Torino wall were doing the Irish jig. And at the time that uh, Torino was taking the free kick, we'll have to look at that one a little closer. It's funny, uh, um, and it'd be funny that the goal was scored because it, ha- it happens in football so many times. And when a team goes down, uh, just, just a couple minutes before that, Diego Falque had a great chance on goal, but uh, Nicolas yes. Muru blocked it. And then they go up and then they go down, get the free kick and score the goal. So that's that's football for you. Yep, yep, indeed. Uh But this joy would only last for about 14 minutes. Afri Aqua scoring to equalize. Uh, and it would go 1-1 at halftime. Aqua would pick up a yellow card in the fourth minute of stoppage time in the first half. Uh, that was noteworthy because in the 73rd minute, he would uh, he would get caught uh, stamping a Stamptoria player, whether it was uh, deliberate or not. Just ended up stepping on a player's foot. Uh, referee didn't like it, gave him a second yellow, sent him off. Um, and then just uh, minutes, you know, shortly after that... Um, Bellotti was in free, was fouled, uh, trying to make an attempt at goal, or apparently fouled. Walter Mazzari took issue with that, and uh, the referee Gianluca Rocchi uh, took issue with Mazzari taking issue with Gianluca Rocchi's decision-making <laughs> and sent him to the stands. Uh, so lots going on. Very chippy game between these two teams. Viviano uh, got a yellow on that play as well. Yes, he did. Um, Viviano got a yellow, uh, for some, uh, you know, for some indiscretions there. This happened in the 85th minute, so about five minutes from time. Um, but, uh, relatively chippy game. Seven, you know, seven yellows in this game with two of those turning into a red. Uh, you know, uh, very physical. Two teams that, you know, on, you know, in form, Richard. Uh, but, you know, the fouls and some of the chippiness here certainly showed up. Both of these teams really desperate to get three points and make themselves a player for these European places. Yeah, and, and just, just look at it. Aqua, uh, his first yellow card was, where he inexplicably took down Qualiarella really in the middle of the field, which there's no reason to get no reason to do that stupid foul. So he picked up a needless yellow there. And then, you know, I didn't even see the stamp. I mean, I guess he did stamp you, just what you're saying. Um, when I saw the re- when I saw the replay, I was just looking at their hands, and I'm like, he barely touched Gianluca Caprari. So I, I, that's what I, was the cloud, yep. So I, I guess I missed a stamp there, um, but um, obviously the ref saw it and had enough of that and kicked him out rightly. So, um, so yeah, it was. I don't know if these teams had it. Uh, had well, I guess stamp history. is harsh. I guess stamp is harsh. He was going in. A, he was he was trying to go into a challenge. Ended up stepping on Caprari's foot. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, you know, and maybe Rocky thought there was some degree of intent there where he should be sent off. So yeah, yeah. Um, there was I don't nearly think, a winner in that game, though. I don't know if you caught that in the 90th minute. Um, Salvatore Sirigo had to make a, a, a great save, really, on Valerio Vede from distance. He just kind of like did one of those Kadira long bomb shots, just trying to get it on goal. And it was going on goal, and Sirigo uh, had to like just dive and barely got his fingertips on it. I don't think Joe Hart would have been able to save that last year. Yeah, this would have been a loss for Torino uh, with Joe Hart in goal. So um, they're, they're, <laughs> they're probably relieved that that's out of the way. So. Um, you know, I, I don't think either team will be uh, bothered by the draw here, considering the form that each team is in. Uh, yeah, no, no. You know, I think Torino will be a little bit happier with it, considering that they were down to 10 men. Uh, but these are two teams enjoying a little bit of an unbeaten. Both teams are, this is now eight points in the last four games for both teams. Um, who do you think has more of the upside? I mean, right now, Sampdoria is sixth on 38 points, Torino 10th on 33 points. 
you know, under Masadi, is is Torino a player here? Can they can they make the move uh, to, to to catch, you know, Sampdoria or to try to pip somebody to uh, to one of these European spots? It's possible. It's always possible in football. Uh, but I think the teams that are in front of them are just a little bit better than they are right now. Uh, Torino are definitely a, a good squad on paper and on on pitch right now. Finally, under Mazzari, but I think that it's it's just a, little, a bridge too far for them to catch the, the players above them now. If the, if all the the three teams ahead of them, three four teams ahead of them, uh, go on a long losing streak or you know start getting a lot of draws here, and Torino picks up a lot of wins, obviously that's possible. But um, I mean, Sampdoria, I think they're the, they're definitely the better of the two teams um they're starting to come out of their slump uh, that they had for a while there it seemed like a month and a half or something um but they, again you got Udinese who's about ahead of them I mean, Milan's ahead of them so in Atalanta obviously so um it's not going to be easy for them to uh pass all those teams and 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 move up into sixth place indeed the only other uh story that's that's coming out from these two teams um uh, real quickly, uh, reports are that Ivan Strinic is uh, going to have a very short-lived spell at Sampdoria, uh, and it is reported that he will be joining AC Milan um, on a free this summer. Oh, uh, couple okay. of reports, couple of reports on that. Clearly, not 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 getting a lot of pitch time with Sampdoria, which is strange. Um, and he thinks he's going to get pitch time at Milan. Behind, uh, you know, he's basically going from Sampdoria's bench to Milan's bench because. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see him. <clears throat> I can't see him see him beating out Ricardo Rodriguez on a regular basis. Uh, as much as we'd want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, decent enough player. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah, an interesting uh, an interesting one that broke. I guess Milan. You know, as long as they're trying to refinance their debt and go through some of the financial things that they're going through, it's going to be back to the uh, the, the free agents and loans approach. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm awfully scared uh, of that scenario at this point, but great, uh, great, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, that was it. One-one. Sampdoria Torino. Very competitive game. Very chippy game. I believe you've got Inter Cotone for us. I did, um, and and this one, Icardi would not actually play in this game. Uh, when they asked Spalletti before the game, he said uh, Icardi he would love to play, you know, especially at home, but this is not going to be possible. He has a muscle problem, and we thought it was best not to best not to risk him. That makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. But then this next part didn't make sense. He said he Eder who would be taking his place. Uh, he can create spaces and link up well with the midfield. I don't know what he's smoking, or does Eder have incriminating pictures of him? I don't know, but that doesn't make sense to me. Eder has incriminating pictures of everybody. It's just, <laughs> he's probably, probably got incriminating that. pictures of me somewhere, and I, you know, just he's he just he he he's got files. He, you know, <laughs> where some well, people have where some people have like a room for like an entertainment center or, or theater or for, for for TV where people can sit down and relax. He's just got a big file cabinet where he can where he has dirt on everybody on this planet. It's just. Uh, it's just he's the way like, it is with him right now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he goes up and look, looks up everybody's MySpace, I guess. I don't know. MySpace? What is this, 2005? <laughs> well, that's the last time he was good, I think, if you want to call it that. Um, anyway, so Eder made the rare start in this one uh, for Icardi. Uh, in the 23rd minute of an Inter corner. Sei uomini dell'Inter. Parte la parabola. Svetta Eder! E il pallone in rete! Forse ha toccato Eder, forse si tratta di un autogol. Inter in vantaggio. Eder, that man that Frank loves so much of all people, gets a head on it. Uh, it hits off the defender's head and then opens up the scoring for Inter. Uh, 
that's exactly the kind of goal that Edhers uh, can score because that's the only way he can score is off somebody else. Um, but he gives he gives Inter the lead one nothing, and he's already paying dividends for for Inter in this one, making Spalletti look like a genius. Uh, it's a calamity of errors on the goal, but uh, it's a goal nonetheless, right, Frank? Uh, yeah, well, who was, was it? It was uh, Farrone Far- was marking him, right? I believe so. He should quit. <laughs> Did you see where Ader scored that goal from? From his head, he hardly even jumped. I know. It's just he, it was the it was the saddest thing I've ever seen for a goal. <laughs> it sums up his career. It probably sums up Inter's form at this point. They'll take goals any way they can get them. But, uh, okay, moving on. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of sad, I mean, a little later, Eder was obviously getting cocky. And uh, actually, Kandreva, oh, sorry, that? sorry. Mark this down or try to store this in our, in our files for when we do the next edition of the Crap on a Cracker team. Faraoni is in it just for this particular incident. Faraoni. Crap. Davide Faraoni. Number 37 for, for, uh, for Cotoni. Got it. All right. <laughs> well, as I was saying, Eder was getting cocky off that first goal. Uh, Candreva actually made a beautiful pass to him uh, in front of the net. He did try to score, but it was a very sad shot, much like all his shots are. Cordaz was up for it, and he uh, he smothered it, no problem whatsoever. Um, I did notice that in the uh, the pitch seemed to be tilted once to one side of the of the of the San Siro. Um, in the first half, Inter were having most of the opportunities, um, getting shots after shot. They couldn't get any other goals. Uh, going to the second half, though, Crotone all of a sudden started getting all the shots and getting all the chances. Um, so it seemed like whoever, whatever team was you know, going attacking the one side was getting all the opportunities. Uh, this kind of uh, was evident in the shots because both teams had 11 shots. Both had two shots on target. Um, so it was very odd in that sense. But, um, you know, Crotone are a, a funny bunch. And in the 60th minute, uh, in a given go that only Crotone could pull off uh, between Andrea Barbaris and Marcello Trotta, Attenzione a Barberis che con il petto mette lì per Trotta, cerca l'1-2, Barberis, Barberis, il pareggio del Crotone al quarto gara della ripresa con Andrea Barberis. Barberis would finish it off with the, finish off the passing play with a toe poke chip, if you will, to the far post, um, leveling the game 1-1, uh, Crotone, this is what they do. Uh, you think you should be able to beat them and they find some way to, uh, to get a point and get, get results out of these games, Frank. That felt like the slowest one-two I've ever seen. You know, usually when you see one-two combinations, yeah. it's pop pop and and but and not crotone, not crotone. That That's just not how they do it. seemed so slow, and it also felt like it went through three interplayers, which was sad because it looked <laughs> like they all just kind of stopped and looked at the ball, and to their bewilderment, it fell to Barberis, and I think even Barberis's bewilderment, it fell to him. Yeah, no, you know, and he was... scored. I mean, these were just two peculiar goals in this game. I mean, I think it just. Uh, you know, made for a peculiar match and, and just <clears throat> the very situations that these teams are in right now. I mean, Inter can't buy a result um, at this point, or at least a, a result that they should get. You, when you look at this on paper, you say this should be three points for Inter. This is where they can start to solve their problems. And uh, and it doesn't happen. And now you've got, boy, here we go again with Cardone. Uh, gritty, just grinding out results and finding ways to stay afloat and stay above that bottom three. It's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's what you get from these. Uh, it's what you get from these two uh, from these two teams. Really, you know, Inter should have won this game. Uh, Perisic had a couple quality opportunities late in the game um, that he was wide open and he he shanked them both high and wide. 
Um, very uncharacteristically of, of him. Maybe he's going through a rough patch himself. Uh, but one good note for, for Inter, at least with the new signings, Rafinha would make an appearance in this one off the bench. Uh, so at least Spalletti is trying to uh, implement the new guys, or at least one of them. Why didn't he play Gagliardini? That's a good question. He's not, he's not having the greatest of seasons right now, um, but still, he, he has the capability and, and the potential to do so well. Uh, why you don't play him, I don't know. Maybe he has, maybe he has it out against him. Considering Inter's track record with managers, is Spalletti in trouble now? <laughs> well, with Inter, anything is possible for sure. Um, I would think of someone of his pedigree, you would give him the, uh, for sure an entire season, if not more, um, depending on how what the results are for the season. But you never know with Inter. I mean, they're they're very quick to pull the trigger sometimes. I mean, both Milan clubs really. I mean, it, it's just it's 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 a calamity of uh, judgment, I guess, by on their part by the management team. So. Um, hopefully uh, they have enough sense as to keep Spalletti and, and see what he does because I don't think they're uh, the guy that they want. Diego Simeone is going to be leaving uh, Atleti quite just yet. No. I mean, there's no time to panic at this point. There's still a long, long way to go. They're in fourth. They hold the Champions League place. Roma's on their tail. Uh, in fact, that's, uh, that's what we're going to get into. Roma having an opportunity now with Inter getting that draw to try to pull a little bit closer to this top four. Uh, taking on a Hellas Verona side that... Uh, uh, we don't know what we saw with them last week. We don't know where that came from when they beat uh, Fiorentina at the Atemio Franchi 4-1. Uh, could they have an encore here at home uh, against the Giallorossi? Well, uh problem with Hellas Verona is I don't even think they even got out of bed in time because uh, in the first minute... Ancora un derco sinistro! Non è passato neanche un minuto! Ma la Roma è già in vantaggio! Il gol, Lampo! Chenji Zunder uh, scores to put Roma in front, and uh, that would be the only goal of this game. Uh, Roma having 15 shots, nine on target with one of those goals, so eight saves uh, from the goalkeeper, Nicolas, um, who's been a bit of a punching bag this season, uh, but really did everything that he could to keep his team in it. Uh, not a whole lot offered from the uh, Hellas Verona side. Um, here's the uh, thing. Here's the thing that really bothered me. Moise Keane didn't even make the team sheet. Was he hurt? I didn't catch that. I mean, I don't know why he had been playing before. So that'd be the only uh, reasonable thing to think because he'd been playing so well. He had what a brace in his last game. So yeah, why wouldn't he play? So I, yeah. I would assume it's injury, but uh, I didn't. I didn't see that. I didn't catch that. Very, very strange one indeed. Um, I just uh, uh, just was was surprised by that. Uh, Under's goal uh, in 43 seconds. Well taken. Uh, yes, very well taken too. Uh, beat Nicholas at the near post and uh, proved to be Nicholas's only uh, mistake in this game. Um, he you had know, Jekko's so- number in the game for sure. I think Jekko, he saved Jekko probably like four times, I think. Um, yeah. He had his number for sure. Yeah. How do you look at Roma now? The, it has, you know, they had their distractions. They had their dip in form. Okay, this isn't by any stretch of the imagination a, a sexy performance. Uh, I should also point out that there was a red card in this game yeah. uh, with, uh, with Roma. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini was sent off in the 51st minute. Pellegrini has been having an otherwise excellent season, um, you know, uh, maybe until that incident. But, uh, I mean, it, laboring to results. draws A draw with... Uh, 
you know, a draw with Inter, a draw with Sampdoria, and then comes home in the return against Sampdoria, loses that, loses uh, at home to Atalanta, draw with Sassuolo. Just a real bad run of results. I mean, is this one of those you don't care how the sausage is made when it comes to Roma that just just get three points here and let's get back on the upswing? Absolutely. And when that when that red card came in the 51st minute, by the way, a stupid play by Lorenzo Pellegrini, um, I was curious to see what kind of, well, what kind of Rome would, would show up with a team that uh, collapsed after going down a man uh, going down a man and and letting Verona back in the game. But no, they kind of set up shop and and closed it out, made sure that uh, Hellas didn't have any more uh, opportunities to score, and they won the game. That's that's good. That's good to see because uh, a team that was in in a bad bit of form uh, would lose that game or or draw that game, and they didn't. They found a way to win, so maybe that's a sign that they're they're starting to come out of it, which we hope because you never want to see teams in di- in dip of form. You want to play, you want all the teams to play well, and obviously you can't get that, especially with the the new the newcomers this season. But um, I think uh, Roma have a, a good chance to to come out of this. Uh, it's it doesn't matter like you said like you said it doesn't matter how you win it doesn't matter how the sausage is made long as it, long as you make it. Um, look at Juventus. Look at Napoli. They don't always win pretty. Sometimes you just have to get the results. Yeah. That's what matters. Um, how much of this dip in form with Roma do you think could be attributed to all the Jekyll rumors? And now that maybe that the January winner is behind them, Jekyll is still in a Roma shirt that, okay, let's let's kick on now. Uh, do you see that yeah. with them? Yeah, no, that, that definitely could have played a part in this. Um, obviously, Jekyll had his best game in a while. He had more opportunities in this game, I think, than he did for the last month. Um so that that's part maybe it's part both for him and for the team. Um, for sure, it's a distraction. But also, look at who they play. They played quality opponents in, in these in this last stretch. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It doesn't, doesn't matter how good you are. I'm sure if Juventus played all these teams, they probably get the results, but it would not be easy. Um, and so you're playing a good Atalanta, good Sampdoria, oh, a Sampdoria team. Um, you're playing Inter. So there are quality opponents that are are at or maybe a little bit better or just slightly below you. So it'll be a competitive game or anything can happen in those games. Um, so I think, um, you know, with distractions aside now, you know, the team will play better, Jekyll will play better, and hopefully they'll get a, a easier run of the slate here coming for the next uh, next few weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, agreed. Uh, Atalanta and Kievo, how did that turn out, Richard? I wish I knew. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well... In this game, it was um, like we said earlier. Bobby Bobby English was uh, definitely playing for Kievo in this one. Um, if you didn't look at the scoreline, you would have thought this game was a 7-0 scoreline, a touchdown perhaps. But we didn't have that. Um, Atalanta did outshoot hapless Kievo 24-4 in this one. It was a, certainly a one-sided affair. Um, Ilicic in the beginning, he uh, he had a very powerful shot that went over the bar early. Uh, it definitely scared uh, Stefano Sorrentino. Um, he had he had many chances in this game to um, to get saves and he did he did so for the most part. Um, the the man of the of the game though it seemed or the guy who was getting all the all the balls it was uh, Brian Cristante. He had two quality opportunities in the first half. He had a, a two or three more in the second half. He just seemed to be at the ball wherever he was. The ball would find him and and I don't know if that's because they're they're playing towards him now as as a I guess a attacking midfielder, the Tricartista type, or, or he just got lucky in this one. But he was everywhere in this game. Um, still, they you know they were having trouble scoring. Um, you know, like I said, in the first half would end 0-0. Going to the second half, Cristante, he would continue his assault on the Kievo net, Frank. Um, it seemed, 
you know, with a twenty with twenty four shots on target at this point, it seemed like Cristante had like twenty of them because, like I said, he was he was everywhere. Um, I don't know. It, this happens with these uh, former Milan players when uh, when they leave, they be, they start you know become a nuisance and and a, a very good player wherever else they go. Both Patania and Cristante in this respect. Mm. It's uh, it's either the bright lights are too much for them, or you know Berlusconi and Gallani, Berlusconi and Galliani, you know, just completely blew it with their youth players. Um, yeah, and I, it's it's looking more and more like the latter. And John Piero Gasparini does wonders with these young kids, anyway. So uh, that could be could, that could very well be it right there. Just that um, what he what he is able to get out of these get the potential out of these youngsters. Um, uh, it, it just you can't undermine that. He's a he's a genius in that respect. So you definitely have to give him kudos for that. Um, we did want a goal in this one, and we think we finally got one in the 72nd minute. Atalanta. Um, through Gianluca Mancini, in no relation to Roberto Mancini, scored off a corner kick. VAR, however, would get involved, Frank. Um, at first, I got a lot of players who complained that it, was, it came off the hand. They went to the replay. It looked like it came right off his chest. No hand involved at all, um, as Kiev were complaining. So that would be the only goal of the game. Atalanta would win one nothing. It wasn't much to... I mean, like I said, it was one-sided affair. Kievo, they're... They're struggling, and I don't know how much longer Moran's going to last in his job. Well, yeah, you've got um, you've got some issues there. Uh, you know, Manuela Giacarini, Obviously, we talked about he made his he made his debut uh, with Kievo here uh, at the weekend. Um, the, the pieces are there to be decent and to to try to consolidate and, and, and remain in Serie A for another season. You know, uh, here's the problem with. Kievo, and we'll touch on Atalanta here in a second. They have they have a collection of I would say players that are that are decent. Okay, um, the problem is is that they don't all get on song together. You know, it's usually one guy flashing some form, and then everybody else is poor, and then the next guy's flashing some form, and everybody else is poor. So you know, one week you're going to see uh, Perperim Hatemai. Uh, you know, step up and perform well. You know, another week you're going to see Walter Beers step up and perform well. Another week you're going to see, you don't, and, and, and when you look at these players, these are decent guys, these are decent players, and now you've got Jacarini into the mix. You know, Roberto Inglesi's staying. Um, you know, so you've got a positive enough team, um, but can they come together and be consistent? And I, and, and that's what, um, you know that's what I look at when I see Kievo, and I, I I'm not particularly encouraged. Um, you know the def- the defending is getting a little bit better. I mean, but still they're still under siege. Um, you know all the shots that they conceded against Atalanta in particular. So and then for Atalanta, uh, insert another center back and watch him score. It's just <laughs> <laughs> exactly between 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 them and Lazio, they they have to be trying to outpace each other for the most goals by center backs this season. Yeah, and they're, and they're doing a fantastic job at it. Um, and, it, and, you know, not to rub more salt into the wound of Kievo, but this is basically, for the most part, Atalanta's B team, you know? <clears throat> yeah. So uh, it, just shows the, it just shows the depth that Atalanta have. I mean, Ilicic has been very good this season, um, coming off the bench or starting in, in, in games. Um, Cristante, obviously, we, we mentioned. Um, Rima Froiler has been very good. Spinazzola. Uh, they have very good players on this team, and 
uh, obviously their bench is, is good enough too because they 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 can still dominate games and uh, do what they need to do to get victories uh, with with either Papa Gomez playing or not. So, yeah, yes, indeed. So Atalanta getting a you know getting a key three points there uh, as they continue to have this nice little midseason surge here up the table in Serie A. <clears throat> going to be a very tough out as far as uh, European places. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with uh, for a top six spot, the way that they're running there. When you when you lump that group together, Sampdoria, Atalanta, Milan, Udinese, Torino, you can easily say Atalanta is in the best form of those five teams. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, moving on, uh, we had uh, Bologna hosting Fiorentina, both these teams licking their wounds from some tough losses last week. Fiorentina is certainly a little more unexpected with that loss at home to Hellas Verona, and this would pop up and be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend, Richard. Um, lots of uh, back-and-forth action uh, between these teams. Uh, uh, Fiorentina out shooting Bologna 10 shots to 8. There were 8 on target for Fiorentina, 5 for Bologna, so goalkeepers were called into action quite a bit. Um, but uh, it was a goalkeeper's folly that opened the scoring. Arriva il cross, sul secondo palo direttamente in porta! E c'è la rete, il vantaggio della Fiorentina direttamente da calcio d'angolo! Corner kick from Jordan Vera 2 uh, that uh, went all the way to the far post, hit off the post, hit Marante, went in. Uh, own goal for Marante. That would give La Viola the lead. Uh, so as much as Vera 2 would like credit for that direct corner kick goal, it was an own goal by Marante. But three minutes later, we would get a direct corner kick goal. Calcio d'angolo già battuto in porta! Incredibile! 1-1 da calcio d'angolo! Il Bologna la pareggia con Eric Pulgar! A Veretù risponde Pulgar sempre su calcio d'angolo! Eric Pulgar uh, beating Marco Sportiello at his near post on a corner kick. There's not a lot more pathetic than that as far as goalkeeping is concerned, is there, Richard? No, but you got to give him credit for that kick. Uh, he tried to equal what Veretù did, and he did it, maybe not, if not better. Um, when's the last time you see two goals coming off directly from a corner kick like that? I don't think ever. Yeah, and I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot. I've a lot. Of, yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen one in games before, but I've never seen two in a game. And I, I, I'm going to personally give very two that goal, but I know it went off Maranta. But but still, um, yeah, it was just it was just crazy to see the first two goals, and you're wondering can can the, can another goal be outdo those two? I mean. I, at that point, that's what we're thinking because those are two fantastic goals. Yeah, well, in the 71st minute, uh, there was a touch of brilliance from a young Italian that uh, settled this game. Benassi, di prima, Badel trova il corridoio interno. Chiesa in area. Chiesa! Federico Chiesa, Bologna 1, Fiorentina 2. Federico Chiesa catching Philippe Hellander in cement boots and then Sebastian Di Maio doing whatever he was trying, defending he was trying to do. You know, just sliding across, and then Chiesa just had a, a side of the net at his mercy uh, and wins the match for La Viola. Uh, Bologna responded, tried to generate some chances. Fiorentina was looking for a third. This game was open, uh, but Fiorentina would go on and get the win. Uh, order restored for Pioli's men, or are they catching Bologna in a bad spot? I think order restored. Um, I mean, Bologna are a are, are decent squad led by the... Uh, the rejuvenated and, and recently bearded Andrea Poli. Uh, who would have thought we would have said that? Um, he's actually playing quite well for them right now. So I think I think it's order restored. I mean, it's a big derby del, Ap- del Apanino uh, in this game. So 
obviously both teams are going to be be up for it. But um, Fiorentina, they have a very good squad. Uh, they got a lot of good players on their team, young players too. Giovanni Simeone is one to mention. Chiesa, obviously. Um, so I think I think they're back. I think that last week was just a blip on the radar. I mean, I don't know what the heck was going on in that game with a four-one loss to uh, Hellas Verona. Uh, but I, th- I think they're I think their order is restored for sure. Uh, Bologna. They're 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 a tough team. They're not as bad as the, as the as the record would show. Um, you know, they're they're flirting with the top half of the table, and uh, they got some good players on the team. You know, youngsters and veterans. As for Bologna, right now sitting where they're at, Richard, they're on twenty seven points. They're in twelfth place. They're what ten above the drop, and they're really not in a position where they're going to threaten for a European place. Does this feel like the kind of team to you that six weeks from now we're going to talk about them as the one that, um, you know, really nowhere upward to go, really not going to get relegated? So this is going to be the kind of team that hits the beach early and they're just going to get their tails kicked in every week because they know there's really not much more to play for? I hope not because I think this team can really play spoiler uh, for many teams this season, both uh, on the bottom half of the table and at the top. Um, they got a good enough squad, you know, you know Andrea Poli and and Palacio leading the way, uh, but um, I hope I hope I certainly hope not. Well, last year we saw with several teams, Kievo being one of them. Um, uh, I certainly hope not because it would just make the you'd get more goal scoring maybe for sure. Uh, but it's it, you never want to see that. Um, hopefully it's it's another team that does it. It looks like Sassuolo maybe has done that already, but uh, hopefully for our for our sake and for for the league's sake, uh, Bologna keeps playing the way they are because. They they provide entertaining matchups and and they're they make it tough for every every team every game. Yeah, you know that that's what they, they they've been as pesky as they come uh, this season, and it would be a shame. But you start thinking about who are some of those teams that are going to be ripe, you know, for that kind of uh, yeah you know, behavior, uh, you know, if you will, because it, it always starts to happen when you get to that stretch. Just one of those things to kind of have in the back of your mind. So. Uh, I think you got a game here that uh, you know probably could have been played in a on a on a, on a school ground and nobody would have cared. But uh, we're going to talk about it anyway since it's Serie A. <laughs> that game you'd be talking about is Cagliari versus Spal. Um, <laughs> this game was uh, I wouldn't say it was as good as it was one of the best games of the weekend. I'll just put it that way. Um, this game was seemingly just moving along quite slowly. Nothing really interesting happened. And then seemingly out of nowhere, uh, in the 34th minute, Luca Cigarini decided to take a shot from distance. Cigarini. Pensa alla conclusione. La prova! Palla sul palo! E poi in porta! Cagliari in vantaggio! Secondo gol consecutivo di Cigarini dopo 34 minuti! And what a shot it was. one nothing for Cagliari just like that. Uh, sometimes when nothing's going wrong, you just got to go ahead and take a shot, Frank. From doesn't matter where it's from, but sometimes, you know, you, you put it on net, Good things can happen. Yep, it's you know that's all you need to do. I mean, you make you you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Uh, said a wi- very wise uh, hockey player uh, in our part of the world. <laughs> so, uh, so no good on him for taking the attempt and scoring the goal, putting yeah. uh, Cagliari in front. Yeah, so it would go into halftime one nothing. Um, nothing, nothing really at home. Nothing to write home about. Second half and second half early on, we thought we got a second goal. Uh, Farias would set up João Pedro for a lovely goal. One problem: Diego Farias was offsides by a mile, and that goal would not count. Um, good call, obviously, Frank, on that play. Yeah, 
yeah, nothing nothing for anybody to complain about there, really. No. Uh, but, you know, luckily for Calgary, they, they kept at it uh, in the 78th minute after some passes around in the box. You saw one of the better passes in all of Europe uh, in this one when Leandro Castan with a cheeky backheel pass to a wide-open Marco Sao. João Pedro in area, cerca un tacco! E Marco Sao! Adesso sì, che arriva il 2-0 del Cagliari! Uh, that would be the second goal of the game. A good goal for Marco Sao. An even better pass from uh, Leandro Castan and Cagliari would win. Uh, an important matchup, 2, two nothing in terms of positioning the table because uh, that gets them farther away from, from the drop. Um, Spal wasn't very convincing in this game. Uh, you would expect him, as, as tough as they played many of the upper echelon teams in this league, this game they really didn't bring anything to it. Flocari wasn't, wasn't, was invisible. Antonucci was invisible. Um, it, it just it's very unspall like from what we've seen this season frank yeah it was a disappointing performance um you know from a team that we expect more out of at least uh you know a team that they should be on par with um you know to turn up you know to turn up a performance like this is a setback for them especially you got to take advantage of these things if you're trying to get out of um if you're trying to get out of the relegation spot, you know, and if you're fighting off, uh, you're trying to trying to reach Crotone, you're trying to reach Sassuolo, um, and uh, this is what you turn up and what turns out to what 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 could have been and what should have been a six pointer, um, actually what was a six pointer here with with Cagliari because coming in Cagliari had 21 and Spal had 17, so yeah. uh, you just gifted a relegation rival uh, three points here, um, and. Uh, Disappointing performance from Spall, uh, to say the least. Yeah, what'd you make of uh, uh, Leandro Castan's backheel pass to Marco Sao on that one? You know, this is this is Cagliari when they're at their best. They're 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 not. They've got some they've got some pieces, um, you know, where they're capable of doing this sort of thing. Yeah, so, they, just lack, they just lack consistency, basically. Yeah, you know, very much like Chievo in that vein. Um, you know, there are some players there. Uh, it's not a they're not a, a doormat by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. You know, so, you know, when they can turn it on and play like this, they can do this against some of these bottom half teams and accumulate some points and it'll lead to their safety. So um, it was, you know, from Leandro Castan, you're getting that from a center back. Of course, he's Brazilian, so uh, <laughs> they, all, they, they teach all everybody. Play. They all can they teach, play. Yeah, they teach everybody to do that in Brazil. So, yeah. uh, but, uh, but, but nice to see and uh, a very nice finish there from Sal. So we got in this game. I guess a Super Bowl Sunday when the games were played. You got a you got a football scoreline for us? Yeah, it looks like it here. Uh, Juventus was in the Super Bowl spirit. It turns out playing against Sassuolo. <laughs> Either that, or they were inspired by my Calcio consultant piece about Juve privilege. How they're getting these ah, yeah. questionable close results, and they just wanted to say, you know what, Calcio consultant, screw you. We're going to show you that we don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alexandro got the fun started in the ninth minute and then a brace from Sami Kadira, 24th and 27th minute. Uh, and then uh, when you do a low clearance uh, to the middle past the 18-yard area, bad things happen. Marchisio verso Kedira, libera per Pjanic! Il gol del 4-0! And Miralem Pjanic was the one to pounce a uh, rocket uh, of a strike here. Um, uh, beating the goalkeeper Consili, that made it four nil at halftime, and uh, 
All of this was just the appetizer for a uh, second half performance from the standard. Ancora per Bernardeschi, Higuain, Higuain 5-0, il gol di Gonzalo Higuain, Juventus 5, Sassuolo 0. That goal in the 63rd minute, you knew it was coming with all of the chances that Gonzalo Higuain was creating. He would get his hat trick in the 83rd minute uh, after getting his second in the 74th minute. Uh, this was uh, a Juventus that, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's funny to me. You know, goes uh, Allegri goes on record and talks about how, well, I, I don't care about playing pretty football. I care about scoring more goals than the other team, <laughs> finding a way to win. But here uh, he piles it on. Juventus gets a touchdown and an extra point. They beat Sassuolo 7-0. Oof, man. Uh, and... Uh, don't take this, you know, don't think this is not this is not Juventus just stomping all over an inferior team. And, yeah, you might look at that on paper and say Sassuolo team was playing pretty decent under Giuseppe yeah. Iacchini. So um, they had carved out some pretty surprising results under his under this run. Um, but, uh, you know, the return of Gianluigi Buffon in goal uh, for the old lady, he had a he had a great game in the first leg of the Coppa Italia against Atalanta, saved a Papu Gomez penalty. Uh, and followed that up with a clean sheet here. Just a, a the the culmination of a uh, of a 40th birthday week uh, for uh, the greatest goalkeeper to ever play. Yeah, and uh, Juventus letting out some aggression. I guess too many close games for their liking that they decided to just put one to bed and get get their anger out. Um, yeah, definitely. Gigi Buffon back is uh, is, is always is great for Juventus and for for football in general. Um, he really had nothing much didn't have much to do in this game. He did have to save uh, Paul Lero. Paul Lirola uh, early in the first half, but uh, other than that, I mean, just having him back there, the calming presence uh, to have a, a caliber of a keeper like him back there, uh, it makes everyone play better, uh, whether he affects you directly or indirectly. Um, it's mostly indirectly with him, really, being a, being a goaltender, but uh, it's glad to have him back there uh, for sure, and, and now we're heading into the big games coming in the second half of the season, you know, Coppa Italia, Champions League and stuff. Um, no, no better time to have him back than now. Yeah, and uh, for everyone keeping score at home, that is six consecutive clean sheets uh, for the old lady in all competitions. They have not allowed a goal yet in 2018. Um, you know, in, in good luck Napoli trying to hold them off. And in fact, they have only conceded one goal uh, since November 19th. Um, safe to say Allegri has got this thing put together, doesn't he? Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what the exact stat is because it's a certain amount of games, but uh, Juventus has only allowed 52, 52 shots, not goals, 52 shots in the span, which is the lowest in all top five European leagues. Uh, that, that just is. shows how good defense, their defense is now. They're rounding back out now. They're getting to prime form. And look out. It's, it's important now because Champions League's come around the corner. Uh, I got second leg of Coppa Italia here. Uh, Juventus are, are getting in stride now, and if, uh, if I were Napoli or Napoli fan, uh, I would start to worry because – Juventus are getting back into that groove again. Um, Stella has definitely found her groove back. Yes, she has. The old lady has got it going once again. So um, that temporarily put Juventus at the top of the uh, Serie A table. Um, we'll get to what Napoli did, but first we'll talk Udinese Milan, Richard. Yeah, this was actually a very entertaining game. Quite open for uh, you know for two teams who are you know battling now, trying to get to your, both teams are actually trying to get to Europa League, um, trying to catch up to Sampdoria. 
this would definitely be an, an entertaining matchup. Uh, new, new news and noteworthy for me, Frank. Uh, Andre Silva would finally get to start in this one. Finally, I think this has been a long time coming, and finally they pulled the plug on Nikola Kalinic. Um, you know, Patrick Cutroni, they just chose not to give a start to in this game, and uh, they decided to run out the young Portuguese starlet. Yeah, but um, in the ninth minute, Suzo, uh, he's been without question Milan's best player this season. Suzo. Si gira su sinistro. Calcio Suso! Una magia di Suso! Una zero Milan! Un gol incredibile di Suso! And that long-range, inch-perfect shot clangs off the crossbar and into the net past the outstretched Albano Bizzari with, with I'm going to call it the goal of the weekend. Uh, as the announcer says, magical. Magical indeed, Frank. Yeah, brilliant strike. Uh, certainly one of the... certainly. Certainly one of the best of the season, although we're, we're going to continue to say that Pelotti's from match week two against Sassuolo is the best. Uh, but uh, this one's going to be very much a contender for top ten as far as goals of the season. And it's not your typical Suzo goal. Typically he comes in from the right wing, cuts in, and then gets his shot off. This is from straight down the middle uh, and just launches a bomb. Um, so uh, good for him, good for, good for Milan getting on the board like that. Uh, definitely uh, you could see when he scored that goal what it did to the team because it definitely raised the morale. But... Uh, as I said before, Udinese are a team that doesn't back down, and, and they, they bounce right back. They, they came back at Milan. Um, really, they were being led by Kevin Lasagna. He was the big danger man for them on Sunday. Uh, as Cristante was getting every ball in the Atalanta matchup, uh, Lasagna seemingly found every loose ball in the box, and he kept Donnarumma busy throughout this one. Yes, he did. Um but this is this is what you're going to get when you play Udinese from now on. It's uh, it, sit in a dentist chair because Odo wants the ball, yeah, uh, and he wants his young players to have the ball. I mean, uh, you know, Kevin Lasagna obviously uh, featured prominently. I thought Antonin Barak was very good in this game. Um, and you, you've got the likes of Rodrigo Di Paul and Jakob Bianco who are always a headache uh, and have proven that proven to be a proven to be as such, um, you know, this season. So. Uh, uh, this was not going to be easy for the Rossoneri uh, by any stretch, and I don't think anybody expected them to just walk in and pick up three points, and certainly the State of Milan's, and they don't deserve to have that mentality against anybody. Now, the way Massimo Odo has his team playing right now, it, it, this game was going to be already hard enough uh, to play this Udinese team, you know, 11 v 11. However, in the 68th minute, Calabria already on a yellow, uh, mistimes a header, uh, gets past him, Jakob Yankto gets by him, uh, then he takes two kicks, two swipes at him, trying to knock him down, which he did. Referee had no choice but to book the player again and eject him. Uh, in my opinion, I think that was a good call because it was a stupid play by Davide Calabria. Disappointing, too, because Calabria has been, so great. been in such great form. Uh, you know, you've got to... Okay, you're going to make... You're a young player, you're going to make mistakes on the pitch. You've got to be able to recover a lot better than that. Um, you know, and that's... Uh, you know, in the end, of it, you end up hurting your team because they're now forced to play a man short. Yeah, no, it's an, it's an unfortunate situation. And you knew when that came, um, Massimo Odo was going to do one thing, and he was going to instruct his team to attack even more, take advantage of the man up. Um, and that's exactly what, what the Udinese would do. They would start putting an onslaught into the Milan goal, trying to get chance after chance, trying to get a goal in there to equal the game up. Uh, in the 76th minute, though, that man, Lasagna, would cross in the pass Somehow, I think it hit Leonardo Bonucci and then Gigi Donnarumma, uh, but ultimately it would end up in the back of the net. 
the game would be tied 1-1, and that's how it would end. Um, I didn't really see all the bounces on that off that play from Azania, uh, but it looked like it hit off Bonucci and then Donnarumma, or did it just hit off Donnarumma? I missed that. I, I think you were right the first time, uh, but ultimately it was Donnarumma who put the ball in his own net. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't hate this result. Uh, you know, 10 men against an Udinese team that's in pretty good form. Um, it's, uh, you know, at the Friuli. Um, so, you know, I can't be, I, if I'm a Milan fan, I'm not all that terribly disappointed in this. It's a point, you know, in the grand scheme of things. We'll talk about teams that you're trying to chase for, you know, for some of these European places. You didn't lose ground on, on Sampdoria because they tied. Uh, okay, maybe you lost a little ground on, you didn't lose ground on Inter. Uh, you gained a point on Lazio, um, you know, as if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're still ambitious and wanting to look that high up the table. Um, so not a whole lot to, not a whole lot to be mad about, uh, one on the road playing against a team in very good form and a team certainly not to be taken lightly the way Odo hasn't playing. Take the point, be take, you know, especially when, especially down to 10 men, take the point, move on, figure out how you're going to get three at Spall next weekend. Absolutely. That, you know, that's a crucial thing. They didn't lose in this game. They, they could have very easily lost to a, a very uh, high-potent uh, Udinese team who we never thought we'd say that. But under Massimo Odo, he really has these youngsters playing very, very well. Um, and the fact they only got a goal out of this one was, um, was, was a good result for Milan, no doubt. Yep, absolutely. So 1-1 uh, for two teams that are very much in the conversation uh, for a European place, Milan and Udinese. Uh, moving on to the other team, fighting off Juventus. Trying to fight off Juventus here at the top of the table. Napoli at Benevento. So first at 20th. And uh, last time these two got together, it was ugly. Uh, 6-0, in fact. Uh, would we have a repeat of that? Well, Benevento certainly putting up more of a fight under Roberto Di Zerbi. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, put out San got got some of these new signings out there. Sandro, Filip Juricic, uh, making appearances here for the witches. Uh, Maurizio, sorry, big shock. He went with his tried and trusted. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, surprise, surprise. Uh, Dries Mertens, the man in form, and uh, he flashed another he flashed another beauty in the twentieth minute. Dan Mertens que controla, tocó sotto di Mertens, un altro gol fantastico, sempre di Dries Mertens. Uh, delicate doesn't uh, doesn't even begin to describe that goal, Richard. Oh, that was brilliant. That was pure brilliance. It lofted it just perfectly over everybody and into the net. Um, that's class, right there. That's class. Excellent goal there. That would send Napoli into the break up 1-0 in just two minutes into the second half. Alan riapre in aria. Callejon dall'altra parte. Amsic! Arriva il raddoppio del Napoli col capitano Marek Amsic. Napoli's captain Marek Hamšík putting him ahead by two goals to nil. Um, Benevento were awarded a penalty. Uh, and then that went to VAR, and they deemed that uh, Khalidou Koulibaly, in fact, did not uh, commit a foul that led to a penalty. Uh, do you think they got that right? Uh, I, I only got one glance at it during live play. Uh, I, at the time, I thought it was a good call, uh, but I, I, I didn't have the hindsight of the replay. What did you see? It's a weird one for me because I thought, you know, okay, you, if you – 
you know, you've given the penalty. You had to have seen something in the run of play. It's it's very easy to go back and it's this is some of the problems with VAR though. That's right. You, too much gray. It's, yeah, it's too much gray. So it's very easy to go back and look at it on the screen and second guess yourself and look at a couple of different vantage points. You know, I think it's one of those situations where if all else fails, stick to your original call and give the penalty. So I think Benevento can feel a little hard done by in that situation, but I don't think it was going to help with the overall result. So. No, and had they scored, Napoli probably would have scored like three more goals just to put them out of the misery. No, and everybody at the top of the Capo Caninieri is quiet, and all of a sudden, Dries Mertens is catching up. So Laura Bradburn is sitting out there somewhere uh, saying, see, guys, he's, he'll get there. <laughs> he'll get there. Just decided to give everybody a chance. So uh, tied for fourth with Paulo Dybala now on 14 goals uh, with that little chip. Uh, in the uh, 20th minute in the win over Benevento. There was a Monday game, Richard. There was a Monday night football game. Uh, for sure, it was Lazio hosting Genoa. Uh, Lazio, you know, they're trying to get back on the, on the winning form. They had drew their Coppa Italia matchup against Milan during, uh, during last week. So uh, what better opponent to do than Genoa? Uh, but Genoa are a little feisty bunch, um, and they have a guy. Uh, his name is Goran Pandev, and he seemed to be a Lazio killer. Dentro ancora, cercare Galabinov, prolunga per Pandev, gol destro, il gol dell'ex, Goran Pandev, porta in vantaggio il Genoa, decimo della ripresa. Yeah, Pandev scores the goal, gives Genoa the lead, 1-0. Pandev has scored five goals against Lazio in his career. This is now back-to-back games for Pandev. Whenever Lazio play Genoa or any team that Pandev plays on, because he seems to play on every team in uh, Ontario, what you got to do is just you know man mark him throughout the game because he's going to find a way to score. He did, he's a he's a poacher is what he is, and uh, it wasn't the greatest of shots, but he got in the net. That's what all matters. It was very sloppily defended by Lazio. Uh, was my reaction when I saw when I saw the goal. I thought it could have been covered maybe a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things mistimed in there from the Lazio defense. Uh, and then that just, when you have a veteran player like Pondov and he has that kind of space and time, there's going to be, you know, even at his age and at his stage in his career, there's just going to be one result. Uh, so he took his chance. He took it well. And I think that up until then, uh, Genoa had carved out a couple of chances prior to this game. They've, Genoa made this a game. Uh, don't, oh, yeah. this, this wasn't a stroke of luck. Or this wasn't Lazio having a bit. Genoa made this a game. So. Genoa, last last year we, we talked about how Genoa were, were very, very good at home, but on the road they were very poor. This season they, it's been the opposite. Um, they've scored 16 of the 24 goals away from home, actually. Um, and so it's very surprising you know, compared to last year because last year we were talking about how amazing it was to play in Genoa, the, the crowd there. You expect them to play well at home, but this season it, it seems that they're, they're road warriors and struggling at, at home, So that, which doesn't make sense at all. But um, it is what it is. Um, so that goal that Pandev scored came in the 55th minute. Uh, it wouldn't take long for, for Lazio to respond. Marusic, dall'altro lato Caceres, contro Crosparolo! L'1-1 Lazio! I don't remember who got the cross in, but Parola with a, with a nice redirection uh, equals the game at 1-1. Um, it's Cas- Caceres. Caceres, okay. Yep. Casares, we would mention this guy again because, like you said, he just he just signed with um, with Lazio, so that's a good play by him. Um, like I said, Parola with a with a cheeky little redirection right in right in the corner of the net uh, levels the game one one, um, and then Casares again. That name keeps popping up. 
he did make a mistake in the 80th minute, which led to a Laxat goal, or so we thought. Um, everyone was celebrating. It looked like Genoa had taken the lead. And then VAR reared its ugly head. Um, they looked at the replay, and it, it was deemed that uh, Laxalt touched the ball with his hand, Frank. Uh, good call with you? I, I was mad because I have uh, I played uh, Daily Fantasy on DraftKings, and I had, Perrin, I had Mattia Perrin in goal in all of my lineups, and he would have had the assist. Uh, and you don't <laughs> that's six points that goalkeepers normally don't get. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so that got wiped off the board, and I didn't have Diego Laxalt in any lineups because I did. I just didn't play a whole lot of Genoa guys. I think I only played Bertolacci. But anyway, um, yeah, I think it's a fifty-fifty. This is another gray area thing that uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna get stick from the Lazio fans if you if you if you don't overturn it, but then you're gonna get stick from the Genoa, or you're gonna get stick from the Lazio fans if you allow the goal, and you're gonna get stick from the Genoa fans if you overturn it. So. Um, one of those where they aired to the side of the home crowd. So yeah, I, I personally thought it was a good goal, but I mean, whatever it is, what it is. I didn't think there was anything intentional about it. But the call was made, the goal was taken away, so the, the score is still one-one. Uh, unfortunately for Laxalt, and fortunately for you because you don't have him in your in your fantasy lineup, uh, the goal would not, <laughs> the goal would not count. Um, so the game would tick on. Uh, There's two minutes of stoppage time. I think that was awarded two or three minutes. Um, the game would be into that second minute of stoppage time. Uh, when Hilliamark, with a brilliant pass into the in, into the into the six-yard box, it found guess who of all people, Laxalt with a backdoor goal. Penella dentro il colpo di testa e stavolta è tutto buono. Ancora Laxalt, il Genoa è in vantaggio. Sempre lui, sempre Diego Laxalt. Genoa and Laxalt would get the goal and the victory two to one at Lazio. What's going on with Lazio? Uh, well, if you ask uh, Simone Inzaghi, they're t- he'll tell you they're tired. Um, they played without Milinkovic, Savic, and Lulic, who were injured. Or not injured, I'm sorry, suspended. Um, but that shouldn't have really changed uh, their approach to this game. They still put out a decent side. I thought Murgia starting over Felipe Anderson was interesting. But then Inzaghi chose in the... I want to try to see. I think this was the 70th minute. Yes, the 70th minute. He made a double substitution, and he brought up Adam Marusic, and he brought up Mujia. He brought on Felipe Anderson to play in the wide area, and he tried to bring in Nani to play as a forward. And I thought that hurt Lazio more than it helped them. Um, And maybe this fatigue thing has a little bit to do with it uh, because he – well, Mur- Murgia hasn't played a lot of games, so that one that one makes me scratch my head. But Marusic has been one of the better, you know, right-sided defenders, wingback or fullback, uh, in this league this season. Um, and yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that he had a little bit of an impact on this game with some width and some crossing and some passing. Where Felipe Anderson, when he came in, just slowed things down and just looked to take people on, uh, and it totally changed you know, what Lazio were doing, because when Marosic was in there, it was crisp, there was movement, and some things were getting generated, but then Felipe Anderson just slowed everything up, um, you know, so, uh, you know, so that was weird to me, it made them a little more predictable when those substitutions happened, um, you know, but, uh, you know, this is a, this is, this is a Lazio team that also doesn't really rotate a whole heck of a lot either, you know, um, and they're bringing some people into the fray, like a Martin Casares, to give a give a player like Bastos a rest. 
um, you know, they're playing a game every three days and it's not something that they're regularly accustomed to. So, um, you know, so maybe some, some, some truth to that fatigue, you get to this stage in the season, the players are not as fresh. They've been playing a lot of games. Um, you know, but I think they ran into a pretty inspired Genoa team that have been a tough out under Davide Balladini. Every, every Genoa game has been grinded up close. Um, Diego Luxal was excellent. In this yes, game. he was. He was. Um, Oscar Hilliamark returned and played really well. Uh, you know, that redirect from Parola was the only thing that got by Padin in this game. Padin was very good. Um, you know, and he seems to have a system in place here for Genoa, and he's got Genoa believing in it. No, Genoa are, are, are now playing how we thought they were going to play. Very, you know, grind every game out, being in every game, not getting blown out like they were in the beginning of the season. So David, David Balliardini is an excellent signing in that respect. Um, hopefully they, they start stringing some wins together. Obviously this is going to help tremendously. Um, but Genoa is a team that we, we, we both predicted were going to be in the top half of the table. Um, so they're starting to look like that type of team that we were predicting. So um, mm-hmm. good for them, good for them for sure. Uh, Lazio, um, they're going to get it together. It's going to be interesting to see how how they bounce back from this in their uh, semifinal game. Uh, oh, I guess that game. When is that game? The second game, second leg. Uh, I think later that's going to be yeah, a little bit later on. Okay, okay. I think we got the all the European games coming up here. Ah, uh, yes, that they yes. got an to through. Yes. So, so they better get a turnaround because they got Europa League coming up. So, um, it's not. Um, we'll talk about who they play next, but. Uh, it's not something you want to lose going to that in the first leg for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're starting to see fatigue in your players, I mean, scale back training, give them a couple of days off. I mean, you're going to have to do a couple of things to keep everybody fresh because you're going to get into the business end when there are things to play for. So, and, and Lazio are mired in a battle for a Champions League place now. Um, you know, they're on 46 points in third place. Inter's on 45. Roma's on 44. Uh, so three teams fighting for two places. Uh, dog and dogfight. Yeah, total dogfight there. And then you never know. Sampdoria, Atalanta, Milan, Udinese, and Torino. These are five teams that there's still 15 games left. Any of them can can come up and still have something to say about those places. Uh, you know, for a couple of them, it might be a little far fetched, uh, but uh, but not out of the question. We've seen crazier things happen. Um, and then you see at the bottom. I mean, you've got Spal, you've got the three promoted teams all sitting in the relegation places right now. You've got Crotone trying to hang on. Sassuolo we now have to worry about, and Kiev we've been worried about. You know, Cagliari dug themselves out here and gave themselves a little breathing room for now. So, and uh, you know, as we've thought all along, Napoli and Juventus all the way down to the wire. Uh, they're going to continue to they're going to continue to be in this uh, you know uh, cat and mouse game for the uh, for the title, and this is a uh, Scudetto race for me, Richard. That's going to probably get all the way down to match week thirty-eight. Oh yeah, this is going to hopefully this hopefully last that long, um, if not longer. Uh, it, it's it's good to see a race like this because uh, as some of the other leagues that you can see of all, of all the big leagues, I think this is the only one that's competitive right now. Every other one has a blowout uh, first place team, and with, frankly, this is what we had in, in Serie A for the most part in the last six years. Um, so it's good to see that change and. Um, uh, we'll see who who can uh, outlast the other in this because uh, they're they're going head to head, toe to toe. It's a definitely a heavyweight bout. Thoughts on what you've seen in Serie A here on Match Week Twenty Three, or uh, trends? Anything to be any teams to be worried about? Any teams to watch out for? Uh, give us your opinions at Serie A. Sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's wrap this up with Serie A in Europe. Uh, 
good. It's, you know, transfer, uh, transfer season's over, Richard. Finally, thankfully, we can put that behind us. It's February, which means not too far away from uh, Champions League and we Europa League. Don't do that. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? That's why they have people that let the let the let the let the choir people that do that uh, and, and Donny Britton let them do that. <laughs> My mom says I have a good voice. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's mom says their son has a good voice. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if this ever occurred to you, but that's, uh, that's I did not actually. I never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Champions League. Uh, as as you recall, two of Serie's uh, three teams uh, got through the group stage and are into the knockouts on February thirteenth. Coming up, that is uh, next Tuesday. Juventus hosting Tottenham Hotspur, uh, and then on uh, we will note February twenty first, Shakhtar Donetsk home to Roma. Uh, their first leg will be going on on that day. So uh, let's talk Juve v Spurs here, Richard. Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, is this kind of the okay? Juventus have gone on. We've talked about this defensive record here for like nearly for for over two months now. Um, is you know, and we we look at Tottenham Hotspur and and obviously we get enough exposure to the Premier League. Um, is this to date? And, and, and I mean, is this a tougher test for Juventus than anything they've seen in the last couple of months? Or or are they going to be able to defuse this year in the first leg? This is going to be the toughest matchup, I think, that they've faced so far. Um, the fact that uh, Harry Kane seems unstoppable at the moment. Tottenham and Pochettino's got his Tottenham squad playing very well at the moment. So we want to see how they're going to respond to playing uh, an English an English team who tend to be more physical because uh, they let, let more go in the Premier League uh, than they do in, in, in Serie A for sure. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, I mean, I do think tactically um, Juventus have what it takes to, to shut them down. Uh, their defenses, as we was mentioned already earlier, uh, they're coming about to their, their normal shutdown, you're not going to get anything type mode. Uh, I mean, with 52 shots in the, in the last however many games, they're tops in Europe right now. Um, we saw how, that's the same kind of form they were last year, and what it, look what they did to Monaco. They completely shut them down. Now, this is a completely different you know, back four as, as opposed to back three, and different team there in that respect but um they're they're juventus yep. they're defensively stout um and the question is going to be can juventus stop the the, the offense and, and the and the, the, the man beast i guess if you want to call harry kane that'll be the trick um i'm sure allegra will find a way to try to face him out of the game then you know they have plenty of talented there and they got former uh former Serie A man eric lamala lamella over there too so um, definitely a lot of firepower over there that they're going to have to worry about. It'll be a very tricky encounter, and I, I, I do see this being a low-scoring uh, two legs. If this is low-scoring, that's that's to Juventus' advantage. Absolutely. Um, they th- This is experience, savvy, know-how, been there before against young upstarts. Hey, we beat Dortmund. We beat Real Madrid. We're not going to be afraid of you. I think this is going to be, for me, this is the most exciting tie. I mean, with all due respect, I know there's a matter of Real Madrid and PSG, um, but just for the chess match and just for some of the, 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 this I think flies under the radar compared to that, which is a shame because I think yeah. if you put them on any other slate, this is possibly, this to, this to the neutral fan 
of world football would be the most compelling matchup on the board if Real Madrid and PSG wasn't there. Um, now, now you have your fans, your Tottenham fans for sure, and maybe even your English uh, English followers. They're going to say, oh, look what Tottenham did to Real Madrid and, and Dortmund. But th- none of those teams played defense like Juventus do. So, right. Has, has Tottenham faced a team that's good defensively this season? No, you could maybe say Manchester City. Uh, but the, even then, even they are not as as quality as Juventus are defensively. So it'll be interesting to see both teams how they react because neither team has faced a team like the other team. So uh, it'll be definitely a, an intense chess match worth watching. Uh, it's right up there with Real and PSG. Man United might be the closest thing Tottenham has seen to what Juventus does. Oh, well, um, you parked the bus, yeah. Yeah, with what Mourinho does. Um, you know, so. I think that this is going to be, I think that Juventus are going to set out to try to win uh, the first leg and take an advantage to Wembley. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I could see a 1-0 win here and I could see them trying to get some sort of a draw in Wembley. I, I, I think Juventus are going to go through in this one. Uh, I just think that their experience is going to uh, win out over Hotspur. Um, Shakhtar Roma, uh, for me, get a score draw in the Ukraine. However, you can get it. I be as ugly as you want. If you come out of their one-one, that works. Heading to uh, heading to the Olympico for leg two. What do you think? If this game had taken place a week after that Chelsea game, I would say Roma are going to have no problems whatsoever. But they've gone through their slump now. Uh, who? What, what kind of Roma are we going to face uh, or see from uh, Uceba de Francesco? We don't know. Um, I agree with you. They need to get some kind of score draw or just a score in Ukraine. Uh, you definitely want an away goal coming back to Roma um, for sure because if you, if you get a shutout there, Shakhtar can score. Mm-hmm. You know they can score. So you need to get an away goal with you because they may get one at your home. So you, you, know, you have to be wary of that. Um, so definitely you can't you have, whatever you do, leave Ukraine with, with a goal or two behind in your back pocket. Um, otherwise, it'll be it could be very uh, testy and very troublesome for them coming back home. Shakhtar can score, but I also think they're very gettable. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, Obviously, they eliminated Napoli from this competition, but I think on match day one they caught Napoli on an awful day. Um, uh, you know, in that game in the Ukraine when they won two one, uh, and really they got two chances and scored two goals. And Napoli probably should have bagged about four or five goals. I remember watching that game. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Shakhtar are very gettable here. I think that a score dry is realistic. I'm going to pull for that because I did say, uh, you know, in our midseason review that I think I, I'm picking Roma to reach the last four. Um, just as that odd team that got lucky on a couple of draws to, on a couple of these draws to reach that spot. So, uh, so I'm going to stick with, you know, I'm going to kind of stick to my guns here and say that that's going to be a score draw. So I'm going to go Juve for the win uh, in, in leg one. I'm going to go Roma for the score draw in leg one. Is that what you got? Uh, say the scores one more time. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to go Juve 1-0, and let's just say 1-1 for uh, Shakhtar and Roma. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then Europa League, we've got four games, the tastiest of them, Borussia Dortmund v. Atalanta, and then you've got Ludo Gretz v. AC Milan, Napoli v. Red Bros. Salzburg, and Stella Bucharest against Lazio. Um, we'll get to Dortmund and Atalanta in a minute. Ludo Gretz, Milan, I mean, for Milan fans, this is not a done deal. Uh, you know, Ludo Gretz, uh play a pretty attractive game. They have a handful of Brazilian players in their setup. Um, 
you know, so they're going to be a tough out and going to Bulgaria for the first leg, just get something out of it and, and, and be the favorite at San Siro if, if you're taking the Europa League considerably, seriously. And you probably should because the Europa League winner does get a spot in next season's Champions League. So uh, go for it as long as you're in it. Um, Lazio, tra- I think Lazio has probably the easiest draw of these four teams uh, with Stau Bucharest. Um, you know, I not. Think. Be- I-, I think so. That was uh, pretty good at home this season. Uh, but yeah, I, it's it's between them and Ludogorets really. I mean, the other two teams are very good at uh, Napoli and um, Atalanta are facing. I think Ludogorets are a little more dangerous going forward. Just a little more. I, I don't. Jonathan Cafu's not with them anymore, and he was pretty influential with them last year's Champions League campaign. I'm trying to remember some of the guys that they still have over there, um, you know, off the top of my head. But uh, I mean, are we on? I mean, Napoli, Red Bull, Red Bull, Leipzig. You obviously, uh, with some of the Schalke stuff you do, uh, know a little bit in the Bundesliga. Fair to say that Red Bull Leipzig is going to be more up for this than Napoli are. Um, yeah, I mean, they have, they still have Nabi Keita. Hello. Uh, he's a, he's an excellent player, and they got Emil Forsberg, who's another excellent player. Those are two world class players are there, um, and then you know they're very young. Timo Werner is an exceptional striker. If Napoli do not get this guy on the reins, he is gonna he's gonna put them in a world of hurt. Uh, put, I'm, put, he's gonna be Germany's striker going into the into the World Cup. No, write that down. Um, he's that good of a player. Um, he's very shifty. He's very uh, that he likes to roam much like Messi does with Barcelona. You never know where he's going to be. He could be on the right side, he could be the left side, he could be center. They let him do what he wants because he gets goals, and that's all that matters for them. Um, so RB Leipzig, um, they're going to be very tricky for Napoli. But Napoli, they play beautiful football. They're going to get their chances as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, if RB Leipzig can even handle the pressure that Napoli has faced. Uh, they have they've done okay this season when they faced uh, high-energy opponents like Bayern Munich and, and Dortmund and such. But um, Napoli, they're relentless. Um, they, they keep coming at you. And that backdoor play, that set play that they do throughout the game, like Hamsik scored uh, this weekend, um, they, do that very, they do it better than anyone probably. Um, so it'll be a very, very entertaining uh, series. And I think it'll be a high-scoring one, more than uh, maybe Napoli would like. You think Napoli will be, you think Napoli will be invested in this? I, I, I don't think they will. I think that it'll be a change team going out there for that. You would hope just because they want to focus on the, on the Scudetto, but I could also see Sarri not changing anything for any game. Okay. And Dortmund and Atalanta, these, this, by the time these two hook up here next Thursday, it's, it's shaping to be two teams that are going to end up being in really good form. Maybe Dortmund's starting to get in really good form. They've gotten rid of the Aubameyang distraction, which we kind of talked about a little earlier, despite it having nothing to really do with Serie A. Um, they got Bachwai from uh, Chelsea. You've got the American Pulisic, uh, Yarmolenko. There's just so many, uh, you know, attacking players on offer for uh, uh, for that side. And you've got an Atalanta that that really have played well here over the last several weeks in Serie A. Uh, this could be one of the, you know, across both European competitions. This could be one of the more open, entertaining uh, uh, ties of uh, the February rounds. Before, uh, so when when Abab Mayang was there, I was I would have told you that Atalanta should have no problem either getting a draw at Dortmund and, and getting a win at home and moving on. But the Badashwai deal from from Chelsea, he scored two goals in his first game with them. Yeah. Um. He and he's he fits in perfectly to what Dortmund do. Dortmund are starting to look like they didn't begin the season very high high potent high attacking team, uh, scoring goals again. So 
they got the fun back. Um, this is going to be an entertaining two legs for sure. Uh, it could go either way. I do like Atalanta, what they've done against the big teams uh, so far in both uh, Europa League and in, in Serie A. Um, so, though I think it'll be closer than, than uh, the experts would think, I think Atalanta can pull this off of it ultimately. Yep. But it's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty. Lots of goals. Lots of goals in these games. Oh, gosh. 2-2. Two, two. 2-2 two, two would suit Atalanta just fine there in that opening leg in Germany and then bring it home and win something like 2-1 or 3-2. Yeah. Uh, I agree. There's going to be a lot. Of, there should be, if these two play to their capabilities, there's going to be a ton of goals. It's going to be exciting. So, uh, yeah, so certainly looking forward to all of these. I think, uh, you know, uh, for each of the away teams, I think Lazio can go to Stiao Bucharest and win. Uh, I don't think they're going to be terribly yeah. phased by that atmosphere. I, I think Milan will do well with an away draw. In uh, a score draw, a 1-1 or a 2-2, realistically, they should win. Um, but I don't think that uh, anybody should be disappointed with a score draw if they could get it. Uh, they'd still have the advantage back at the San Siro. Um, Atalanta, we got to hope for a, you know, a score draw here. Um, and I just, I, I think, uh, I think Napoli are going to get knocked out at this stage. I just don't think they're going to be invested in this uh, competition. I think they're all in on the Scudetto. So, um, you know, so I'll go... Uh, uh, Dortmund Atalanta 2-2. Um, Ludogratz Milan, I'll go 1-1. And then uh, I will go. I'll say that the Napoli, since it's at the San Paolo, I'll say 1-1 for Napoli and Leipzig, with Leipzig going and winning the second leg. Uh, and I think Lazio beat Stau outright 2-1. Um, I agree with you at all the scores, except I'm going to go 2-1 Napoli at home. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just I don't think Napoli care, but we'll see. Um, that's why you know, they'll go out and play the game. And if he puts out a full lineup, I'll uh, I'll regret my decision. So <laughs> you never know. Uh, sorry, you never know exactly. So well, that's going to put a bow on this edition of the City I Sit Down. Uh, time for a uh, time for us to give a little shameless plug. Richard, uh, what are you up to these days? I know that uh, the uh, Pietro Pellegri was uh, uh, reset. Uh, for those to read, considering the move to uh, to Monaco, uh, anyone else you're focusing on uh, as, as far as profiling some of the younger players in Serie A? Uh, I, I have a list of guys that I want to start to writing about, um, but I haven't picked one just yet. It's it's too many. I'm just having fun just watching these highlights of these guys and like, oh, I want to do him. Oh, I want to talk about him. I want to talk about him. So I'll, I'll I'll come to a decision here soon. I've just been really busy uh, in personal life. So um, there you go. Other than that, you know, please give me a follow on uh, on Twitter at r underscore k h a r m a n. Yep. Follow me at ftc underscore twenty one. Go to the Calcio Consultant uh, at worldfootballindex.com. dot uh, The week may get away from me to the point where I might not be able to put a piece out this week, uh, but I might uh, I might get a European primer that could get a little more extensive than the discussion Richard and I had. Uh, for you to look out for and be ready for as it pertains to uh, the six Serie A teams involved. Of course, you can go to at Serie A sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram, questions, comments, uh, future topics. Uh, we'd be happy to tackle them. So uh, we do thank you for your loyalty to the Serie A sit down. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, we are part of World Football Index. And as always, uh, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.